This is Silicon Valley Beep. I'm Annie Gauss. Well, there have been many twists and turns to this story, but Uber may finally have a new chief executive, and it's somewhat of a dark horse candidate. That person is Dara Khosrowshahi, who has been CEO of Expedia since 2005, according to reports on Sunday. Meg Whitman and Jeff Immelt, who was the former CEO of General Electric, were most often named as frontrunners throughout this whole excruciating process, but there's been a lot of cloak and dagger and infighting on the board of Uber over this decision. There's this big public fight going on between the ousted CEO, Travis Kalanick, and Benchmark Capital, which is the company's biggest shareholder. That turned into a tug of war over who would be the next CEO, and reportedly, Kosper Shahi is considered the compromise candidate between the two sides. He's also uh, also obviously got experience in the travel and transportation world since he has been running Expedia for so long, but it's not a done deal, at least as of my recording this. And knowing Uber, anything could happen. After stories about the new CEO came out Sunday night, they put out a statement saying that the board has voted and will announce a decision to the employees first. We may already have more info by the time you're hearing this, but as always, stay tuned for more. a good chunk of your life probably takes place on your phone, but according to a new study, people aren't actually downloading apps that much anymore. A report by Comscore found that a full half of time spent on digital media by consumers nowadays is taking place on phones. In the 18 to 24 age group, in fact, a full two-third of digital media time is spent in mobile apps. But That doesn't mean that people are actually trying new ones, at least at the rate they used to. A slight majority of total users downloaded no apps at all in the past month. For paid apps, it was even less. 66% bought zero paid apps per month, and 58% didn't make any in-app purchases. So on one hand, it's not surprising because apps have been around for a while now and people have developed habits rather than it being kind of a novelty that goes along with new technology. On the other hand though, it shows just how consolidated apps have become. Eight to 10, in fact, of the top 10 mobile apps are owned by either Facebook or Google at this point. Facebook is number one, followed by YouTube, um, but the only two in the top 10 that aren't owned by Facebook or Google are Snapchat, Chat, and Pandora. So I'm wondering, what was the last app that you actually installed on your phone? What is your current favorite? Have you tried any new ones that you like and that you want to rec- recommend to me or to others? Let me know in a call-in. Thanks for listening. You're listening to Silicon Valley Beat. I'm Annie Gauss. It's day one of the great Amazon Whole Foods merger, and Amazon is damn serious about getting Alexa into every home they possibly can. The $14 billion deal to buy Whole Foods just closed today, and Amazon is already making their presence known. Not only are they slashing prices at Whole Foods stores, as they announced they would do last week in a press release, people out there who went into Whole Foods stores today reported that Many of them are selling Echoes right there next to your avocados, almond butter, and organic brown eggs. 
Signs were announcing the Echo is another pick of the season for Whole Foods shoppers and one that Amazon is hoping that people will integrate into their shopping lives as quickly as possible. In the announcement from last week, Amazon suggested that in the longer term, they'll be turning Amazon Prime into a rewards program of sorts for Whole Foods shoppers. And in tandem, they're all also working to encourage, encourage shopping through your Echo. And they're not the only ones pushing for this idea. In fact, Google and Walmart made an unusual partnership recently to offer Walmart products through Google Assistant, also through your voice. I put out the question to you guys on this whole idea of voice shopping and got a ton of great feedback from you on whether this is going to be a thing. And if comments on this channel are any indication, Amazon could have an uphill battle to climb in getting people to voice shop through their echo echoes. Here's a call in from Nikki Nerd Girl on the subject. Take it away, Nikki. I do a lot of shopping uh, through my phone, but I have never used my voice for any shopping. I just, I use Siri occasionally, um, mostly just for amusement. So I can't see myself voice shopping or really see that as being a thing. I, I do use Walmart, um, their pickup feature. And so I do the shopping, their grocery feature where I do the shopping and then, um, just go pick up my groceries. And, that's really the easiest thing to do, you know, and it shows you a picture of what you're getting. And of course, I use Amazon Prime as well. So I don't see the voice thing really working. But, you know, uh, maybe, maybe people will get into that. I don't know. Fitbit is betting big on smartwatches with the unveiling of the Fitbit Iconic, the first true smartwatch from the fitness tracking company that's been long awaited. The Fitbit Iconic will feature music control, a color touchscreen, built-in GPS tracking, water resistance, but the main sell above and beyond all of those features is the new third-party app store that Fitbit has been promising. The watches will run Fitbit OS, a new operating system that will support these new apps. These are launching in October, that's when the new watch is launching, and Fitbit is also working with companies like Pandora to get apps onto the marketplace in time for launch. It's all a big gamble for Fitbit, which has struggled in the past year as interest in activity tracking is cooling for many consumers. And at $300, the Fitbit Iconic might be a tough sell. After all, the Series 1 Apple Watch is $269. The most recent ones are a bit more, but comparable price range. Do you use a fitness tracker of any kind? If so, do you feel it's worth the money? What features would you like to see? Let me know in a call-in. Thanks for listening and more to come. Facebook is again attempting to crack down on false news, this time by targeting pages that share fabricated articles. The change basically bans pages that regularly share false news from buying ads. And a Facebook director who worked on the change said that it's meant, meant to lessen the economic incentive to post false news stories that get clicks but aren't real. After getting a lot of heat for their role in spreading misinformation in the past, Facebook has made other efforts to tamp down on the problem, but it's not clear yet how successful those have been. 
For example, they've added disputed flags to stories that are dubious, working with outside fact checkers to do so. And they also circulated some tips on how to spot fake news on the site a couple months back. But this is the first time they've tried to target kind of the bottom line for pages that spread false news in their ability to advertise on Facebook and to get traffic. They're not saying how many false news articles the page has to share to get banned, but that it needs to show a repeated pattern of misinformation. What do you think of Facebook's fight against false news? Do you think it will be effective? Why or why not? Thanks so much for listening. This is Silicon Valley Beat. I'm Annie Gauss.